The 2017 Nobel Prize in Economics was awarded to Richard Thaler for research showing that people often don't rationally weigh the risks and rewards when they make choices, as classic economics would assume. Yet, although clinicians too are influenced by irrational preferences, most of medicine has yet to integrate the implications of this current research on decision making. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jerry Avorn, a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. And chief of the Division of Pharmacoepidemiology and Pharmacoeconomics at Brigham and Women's Hospital, Dr. Avorn has written a perspective article about how behavioral economics and other factors can help explain and improve clinical decision making. Dr. Avorn, you write in your article that a key problem is medicine's ongoing assumption that clinicians are generally rational decision makers. So, how has that assumption affected efforts to reform the healthcare system and improve the quality of care? All of us in medicine are heavily trained in science, and we sometimes make the incorrect assumption that all of our decisions are driven only by science and by data. And yet, if one looks at what we actually do decide, often in relation to medications, there is an important component that is not exclusively data-driven or evidence-driven. And yet, the healthcare delivery system continues to assume that decisions made by doctors, as well as decisions made by our patients, are all about the evidence and the numbers. And therefore, we miss opportunities to try and improve those decisions by doctors as well as patients by thinking about all those non-scientific factors which we might be able to help use to improve the way those decisions get made. In your article, you describe the choices physicians make regarding prescription drugs as one example of how various irrational biases can affect decision making. What other types of clinical decisions might be influenced by physician bias? I think the issues in clinical decision making really cut across all areas in which we make decisions. Whether it's about referring people to a specialist or deciding whether or not to admit somebody to a hospital. Or other kinds of decisions about adherence to regimens like, let's say, diet or smoking cessation that are not about medications. The same kinds of glitches, if you will, in the decision-making process for us or for our patients applies across a lot of different clinical domains. What about patients' biases? How do they affect clinical care and the relationship between a patient and a physician? Well, medicine has traditionally assumed that. For example, when we write a prescription for a patient, they will fill it and take it as directed. And once we began to have access to data on filled prescriptions in a very large-scale, automated way, it became clear that that is really not the case. And research by our group and many others in the last 20 years has made it clear that it is actually the exception to the rule when a patient actually takes a medication as directed. And yet, if we don't take that into account, And we continue to manage people with the false belief that everyone is doing as they are told by us in terms of their medication regimens. We are going to be missing the boat because generally people are not adhering as we think they are, and we therefore have an opportunity to deal with adherence in a more creative way once we understand that non-adherence is a major epidemic in medical practice. So, what kinds of large-scale solutions have been proposed to address irrational decision-making by physicians? Is the idea to challenge their thinking, change their beliefs, or is it to work around their ingrained biases? I like to remind myself that I don't know any doctor who wakes up in the morning saying, "Today I'm going to be a bad prescriber and I'm going to do evidence-free medication use." Any more than patients are motivated to harm themselves by not taking medications that could save their life. 
what seems to work is to actually talk with doctors about what their understanding of a given prescribing situation is. And it really varies doctor to doctor and condition by condition. And that's why this approach of academic detailing, where we, in a sense, borrow the techniques that drug companies are so good at by sending an educator into the doctor's office to talk to him or her about their medication choices, is a really practical and effective way of improving prescribing, as opposed to just sending a memo saying you're screwing up or here's a guideline you should read, which tends to not have much effect. But by having another clinician, usually a nurse or a pharmacist, serve as this kind of educational outreach educator or academic detailer, they can talk to the doctor and say, well, why are you managing your patients with diabetes in that way? And what is your understanding of the best way to use uh, statins? That can draw out the doctor, enable him or her to really get into their motivations and understanding, and in turn, enable the educator to help work with the doctor on where those understandings or attitudes may be imperfect and could be improved for that particular prescriber. Do you think that the greater attention being paid to behavioral economics, to academic detailing, to the kinds of things you've been talking about, can actually be harnessed on a national level to reduce spending and improve patient care? Yes. If we accept the fact, which I think is quite accurate, that probably about a third of our trillions of dollars of health care is misspent and could be spent better or even not at all if a more appropriate choice were made, then there's a lot of room to move. And as it dawns on clinicians and on health policymakers and on those who are paying the bills, that we really need to do more to improve the way that physicians are thinking about our clinical decisions, there ought to be an awareness that we could really be doing a better job that would not only save money, but also improve clinical outcomes. And finally, is there anything that an individual physician can do to overcome his or her own irrational biases when making decisions? I think as the people who deal with substance abuse often say, admitting there's a problem is a first step toward resolving it. And acknowledging that uh, we as human beings are often imperfect decision makers and to understand that the easiest way of getting information, let's say the kind of medical equivalent of junk food, is not to have our friendly local sales rep tell us the latest, but to really work on trying to get syntheses of data that are a little harder to chew, but may be much more accurate. And to also recognize that we are at risk of failing to do some things we ought to do because we may be overestimating the risk or underestimating the benefit. And to just know that we are not the perfect robots that we might think of ourselves as being and that we really need some help in making the best possible clinical decisions. And lastly, understanding that our patients are in the same fix, that very often are not doing what we're asking them to do, perhaps because we needed to explain it better or because they have other issues that we need to explore because even the most brilliantly written prescription doesn't do any good if the patient's not taking it. Thank you, Dr. Avorn.